0: offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20-minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the Word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune-teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar playing all-around rodeo cowboy. I
1: keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book.
0: With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Soapy Dollar.
1: And here we are. Thank you, Kevin Bell, for getting us on the air tonight. You are going to hear tonight. The books of Nahum and Habakkuk. If you are listening in for the first time, or maybe you just started listening recently or this week perhaps to the Bible Live, a year from now we'll be right back at this spot and you will have made your way through the entire Bible. So please continue with us. Tonight we're going to enjoy, as I said before, Nahum and Habakkuk. Habakkuk in particular is one of my very favorites. Now Nahum is almost the book of Jonah, the sequel. Because Nahum is going to be addressing the people of Nineveh, the same people that Jonah preached to 100 years earlier. And we know what happened the first time. The same thing is not going to happen this time. I'll tell you about it when we come back. Right now, though, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment. Let me flip over to my Bible, Psalm 136 tonight on The Bible Life.
3: Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles, His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavens so skillfully, His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who placed the earth on the water, His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights. His faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule the day. His faithful love endures forever. And the moon and stars to rule the night. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who killed the firstborn of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He brought Israel out of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He acted with a strong hand and powerful arm. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who parted the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. He led Israel safely through. His faithful love endures forever. But he hurled Pharaoh and his army into the sea. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who struck down mighty kings. His faithful love endures forever. He killed powerful kings. His faithful love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites. His faithful love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan. His faithful love endures forever. God gave the land of these kings as an inheritance. His faithful love endures forever. A special possession to His servant Israel. His faithful love endures forever. He remembered our utter weakness. His faithful love endures forever. He saved us from our enemies. His faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every living thing. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. End of reading Psalm 136.
1: Now, what do you think the message of that psalm is? I don't know. It's kind of hidden in there somewhere, but I think it has to do with God's faithful love enduring forever. We come to another of the prophets that is given the assignment of preaching to Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrian Empire sits atop the Fertile Crescent. Israel is on the far east end of the Mediterranean, and then, of course, you have the Jordan River running between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea in the south, and on the other side of the Jordan River begins the vast Arabian desert. To get across it, what folks would have to do is go north of Israel, far north, and then curve around what is called the Fertile Crescent. At the top of that would be Nineveh. Uh, Well, you pass uh, Damascus, the capital of Aram, and then you go To the west, you turn west, and then you go, there would be Nineveh. And then you finally get on all the way over to Babylon, further west indeed, uh, all the way to the Persian Gulf. And so you have the Fertile Crescent, and Nineveh sits atop it. Nahum prophesied between 663 and 612 B.C. Jonah had been there a century earlier. He had preached judgment upon Assyria, and they had repented. One of the great revivals of the entire Bible, of all of history, in fact. The Assyrian Empire now seems unstoppable. They have reverted back to their savage, ruthless character. They were cruel in war, and they were perverse in so very many of their ways in society. They had already destroyed Samaria and the northern kingdom, and they were causing great suffering now in Judah. So Nahum proclaims God's anger against Assyria's wickedness, and within a few decades, the mighty Assyrian Empire would be toppled by the Babylonians. So Nahum is going to preach to Assyria, the most powerful nation in the earth. God's judgment does come. Jonah's prediction is kept, but it's a matter of timing. Let's go now to the Bible life.
3: Nahum 1-1 through Habakkuk two twenty. Nahum 1. This message concerning Nineveh came as a vision to Nahum who lived in Elkosh. The Lord is a jealous God filled with vengeance and wrath. He takes revenge on all who oppose him and furiously destroys his enemies. The Lord is slow to get angry, but his power is great and he never lets the guilty go unpunished. He displays his power in the whirlwind and the storm. The billowing clouds are the dust beneath his feet. At his command the oceans and rivers dry up. The lush pastures of Bashan and Carmel fade and the green forests of Lebanon wilt. In His presence the mountains quake, and the hills melt away. The earth trembles, and its people are destroyed. Who can stand before His fierce anger? Who can survive His burning fury? His rage blazes forth like fire, and the mountains crumble to dust in His presence. The Lord is good. When trouble comes, He is a strong refuge, and He knows everyone who trusts in Him. But He sweeps away His enemies in an overwhelming flood, He pursues his foes into the darkness of night. Why are you scheming against the Lord? He will destroy you with one blow. He won't need to strike twice. His enemies, tangled up like thorns, staggering like drunks, will be burned like dry straw in a field. Who is this king of yours who dares to plot evil against the Lord? This is what the Lord says. Even though the Assyrians have many allies, they will be destroyed and disappear. O my people, I have already punished you once, and I will not do it again. Now I will break your chains and release you from Assyrian oppression. And this is what the Lord says concerning the Assyrians in Nineveh. You will have no more children to carry on your name. I will destroy all the idols in the temples of your gods. I am preparing a grave for you because you are despicable and don't deserve to live. Look, a messenger is coming over the mountains with good news. He is bringing a message of peace. Celebrate your festivals, O people of Judah, and fulfill all your vows. For your enemies from Nineveh will never invade your land again. They have been completely destroyed. Nahum too. Nineveh, you are already surrounded by enemy armies. Sound the alarm. Man the ramparts muster your defenses and keep a sharp watch for the enemy attack to begin for the land of Israel lies empty and broken after your attacks but the Lord will restore its honor and power again shields flash red in the sunlight the attack begins see their scarlet uniforms watch as their glittering chariots move into position with a forest of spears waving above them the chariots race recklessly along the streets and through the squares Swift as lightning, flickering like torches. The king shouts to his officers. They stumble in their haste, rushing to the walls to set up their defenses. But too late! The river gates are open. The enemy has entered. The palace is about to collapse. Nineveh's exile has been decreed. And all the servant girls mourn its capture. Listen to them moan like doves. Watch them beat their breasts in sorrow. Nineveh is like a leaking water reservoir. The people are slipping away. Stop! Stop! Someone shouts. But the people just keep on running. Loot the silver! Plunder the gold! There seems no end to Nineveh's many treasures. Its vast uncounted wealth. Soon the city is an empty shambles stripped of its wealth. Hearts melt in horror and knees shake. The people stand aghast, their faces pale and trembling. "'Where now is that great Nineveh, lion of the nations, "'full of fight and boldness, where the old and feeble "'and the young and tender lived with nothing to fear? "'O Nineveh, you were once a mighty lion. "'You crushed your enemies to feed your cubs and your mate. "'You filled your city and your homes with captives and plunder. "'I am your enemy,' says the Lord Almighty. "'Your chariots will soon go up in smoke. "'The finest of your youth will be killed in battle.' Never again will you bring back plunder from conquered nations. Never again will the voices of your proud messengers be heard.
2: You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
3: Nahum 3. How terrible it will be for Nineveh, the city of murder and lies. She is crammed with wealth to be plundered. Listen, hear the crack of the whips as the chariots rush forward against her. Wheels rumble, horses' hooves pound, and chariots clatter as they bump wildly through the streets. See the flashing swords and glittering spears in the upraised arms of the cavalry. The dead are lying in the streets, dead bodies, heaps of bodies everywhere. People stumble over them, scramble to their feet, and fall again. All this because Nineveh, the beautiful and faithless city, mistress of deadly charms, enticed the nations with her beauty. She taught them all to worship her false gods, enchanting people everywhere. No wonder I am your enemy, declares the Lord Almighty, and now I will lift your skirts so all the earth will see your nakedness and shame. I will cover you with filth and show the world how vile you really are. All who see you will shrink back in horror and say Nineveh lies in utter ruin, yet no one anywhere will regret your destruction. Are you any better than Thebes, surrounded by rivers, protected by water on all sides? Ethiopia and the land of Egypt were the source of her strength, which seemed without limit. The nations of Put and Libya also helped and supported her. Yet Thebes fell, and her people were led away as captives. Her babies were dashed to death against the stones of the streets. Soldiers cast lots to see who would get the Egyptian officers as servants. All their leaders were bound in chains. And you, Nineveh, will also stagger like a drunkard. You will hide for fear of the attacking enemy. All your fortresses will fall. They will be devoured like the ripe figs that fall into the mouths of those who shake the trees. Your troops will be as weak and helpless as women. The gates of your land will be opened wide to the enemy and set on fire and burned. Get ready for the siege. Store up water. Strengthen the defenses. Make bricks to repair the walls. Go into the pits to trample clay and pack it into molds. But in the middle of your preparations, the fire will devour you. The sword will cut you down. The enemy will consume you like locusts, devouring everything they see. There will be no escape, even if you multiply like grasshoppers. Merchants as numerous as the stars have filled your city with vast wealth. But like a swarm of locusts, they strip the land and then fly away. Your princes and officials are also like locusts, crowding together in the hedges to survive the cold. But like locusts that fly away when the sun comes up to warm the earth, all of them will fly away and disappear. O Assyrian king, your princes lie dead in the dust. Your people are scattered across the mountains. There is no longer a shepherd to gather them together. There is no healing for your wound. Your injury is fatal. All who hear of your destruction will clap their hands for joy. Where can anyone be found who has not suffered from your cruelty?
2: You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
3: The Book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk 1. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received from the Lord in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see this sin and misery all around me? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and useless, and there is no justice given in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, and justice is perverted with bribes and trickery. The Lord replied, "'Look at the nations and be amazed!' Watch and be astounded at what I will do, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. I am raising up the Babylonians to be a new power on the world scene. They are a cruel and violent nation who will march across the world and conquer it. They are notorious for their cruelty. They do as they like, and no one can stop them. Their horses are swifter than leopards. They are a fierce people, more fierce than wolves at dusk. Their horsemen race forward from distant places. Like eagles, they swoop down to pounce on their prey. On they come, all of them bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a wind from the desert, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their defenses. They simply pile ramps of earth against their walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone. But they are deeply guilty, for their own strength is their God. O Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, is your plan in all of this to wipe us out? Surely not. O Lord, our rock, you have decreed the rise of these Babylonians to punish and correct us for our terrible sins. You are perfectly just in this. But will you, who cannot allow sin in any form, stand idly by while they swallow us up? Should you be silent while the wicked destroy people who are more righteous than they? Are we but fish to be caught and killed? Are we but creeping things that have no leader to defend them from their enemies? Must we be strung up on their hooks and dragged out in their nets while they rejoice? Then they will worship their nets and burn incense in front of them. These nets are the gods who have made us rich, they will claim. Will you let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless conquests?
2: You're listening to The Bible Live with
3: Sophie Dollar. Habakkuk 2. I will climb up into my watchtower now and wait to see what the Lord will say to me and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer in large, clear letters on a tablet. So that a runner can read it and tell everyone else. But these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faith. Wealth is treacherous and the arrogant are never at rest. They range far and wide with their mouths opened as wide as death, but they are never satisfied. In their greed they have gathered up many nations and peoples. But the time is coming when all their captives will taunt them, saying, You thieves! At last justice has caught up with you! Now you will get what you deserve for your oppression and extortion. Suddenly your debtors will rise up in anger. They will turn on you and take all you have, while you stand trembling and helpless. You have plundered many nations, now they will plunder you. You murderers! You have filled the countryside with violence, and all the cities too. How terrible it will be for you who get rich by unjust means. You believe your wealth will buy you security, putting your families beyond the reach of danger. But by the murders you committed, you have shamed your name and forfeited your lives. The very stones in the walls of your houses cry out against you. And the beams in the ceilings echo the complaint. How terrible it will be for you who build cities with money gained by murder and corruption. Has not the Lord Almighty promised that the wealth of nations will turn to ashes? They work so hard, but all in vain. For the time will come when all the earth will be filled, as the waters fill the sea, with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. How terrible it will be for you who make your neighbors drunk. You force your cup on them so that you can gloat over their nakedness and shame. But soon it will be your turn. Come, drink, and be exposed. Drink from the cup of the Lord's judgment, and all your glory will be turned to shame. You cut down the forests of Lebanon. Now you will be cut down. You terrified the wild animals you caught in your traps. Now terror will strike you because of your murder and violence in cities everywhere. What have you gained by worshipping all your man-made idols? How foolish to trust in something made by your own hands! What fools you are to believe such lies! How terrible it will be for you who beg lifeless wooden idols to save you! You ask speechless stone images to tell you what to do. Can an idol speak for God? They may be overlaid with gold and silver, but they are lifeless inside. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. End of reading Nahum 1.1 through Habakkuk 2.20
2: to the bible live with Sophie Dahl. Glory, glory, glory,
1: glory to your name. Beautiful song. Taken from the Psalms. Nineveh was no small city. Nineveh was huge. About 10 to 12 miles the city proper, the walled city and these were 30 foot wide walls. Three chariots could ride around the city side by side. Tremendous defense, an incredible army. Plus, the metropolitan area was perhaps up to 30, even to 40 miles wide. It was a vast, powerful city. God had announced that He was going to judge them and destroy them in the time of Jonah, but they repented. From the greatest to the smallest, it says in the book of Jonah. We just read it a few nights ago. But the hundred years now have passed and they have returned to their wickedness and their idolatry. Nahum now announces that they will indeed be judged by God. The Babylonian empire is on the rise at this time. That is the instrument that God will use to judge the Assyrians. The fall of Nineveh is a great, great theme whether it was under Ashurbanipal, who was the emperor from 669 to 627, the king of Assyria during much of Nahum's life, the one who brought Assyria to the zenith of its power. But then remember Sennacherib, the one who came down and threatened Judah in the time of Hezekiah. Do you remember him? A later emperor from 705 to 681. He openly defied God, and and he epitomizes the rebellion against God. But it came true. It was exactly what Nahum says. Nineveh was indeed judged and destroyed if they could have only seen the pile of rubble that that great city was going to become, completely destroyed and wiped out by the events of 612 BC when the, the combined armies of the Babylonians and the Medes sacked that great city, a seemingly impregnable Nineveh. The city itself was not even found and identified until 1845. That's how complete the destruction of Nineveh was. This vast, great city just actually disappeared. And only in 1845, very late actually, were the ruins found. Assyria was so completely judged and Nineveh was so completely destroyed. God's judgment is sure. As you walk through these times of the prophets, God is the judge and he is the final arbiter in all the affairs of many nations. And he will bring about his justice and his righteousness. Good will eventually conquer wickedness, evil, and sin. That's what we look forward to as God's people, to that time of glory. That's what will make heaven heaven. There will no longer be any compromise. There will no longer be any shadow of wickedness, of sin. He would have completed his work of sanctifying us, making us holy, so that every impulse, every thought, every instinct within us will not be what we experience now, the old flesh, the old habits and impulses jumping to the surface, haunting us with their power to draw us back into sinful attitudes and sinful behavior. We will have been transformed. God will be the king and we will be his people. There will be no world, no flesh, no devil to pull us and attract us away. That's what makes glory, glory. Habakkuk now, we come to Habakkuk's message, and it is a perfect complement to these passages about judgment. Habakkuk has a question and answer period with God. God, we know you're the judge, but sometimes there are wicked people they are not being judged, and sometimes good people suffer. Why is that happening? And then also, why would you use the wicked Babylonians, even more wicked than we are in Israel, you would use them to judge us? And God answers his questions. I know that some of you listening, as you've heard these passages of judgment, explanations even, God explaining himself to Habakkuk, answering these difficult questions about judgment and on what basis he judges and why he judges when he judges? Why does he delay? Why wait for God's judgment? Some of you have asked yourselves these same questions as you have suffered. You've seen good people suffer. And we all see wickedness sometimes prosper. And wicked people sometimes getting rich with great power. And the answer is clear here in Habakkuk and also in Second Peter 3. Why does God wait? Because it's for his people. He's not slow concerning his promise, but he's long suffering and patient, not willing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. He's waiting for you and me and others to come to him in faith. The Bible
2: Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax deductible gift to the Bible Live. Post Office Box 18888 That's The Bible Live PO Box 1888, San Antonio, Texas 78218 You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website thebiblelive.com Now don't forget